sometimes uh, you're in a position and financial literacy, it makes sense and I'm passionate about it, but it's about the system that we're in as well. So it's like when I'm going into um, a First Nations community, you're not coming in preaching about this is how you need to do things because it's different. You're just more educating on this is like what I know as part of the system and this is what can help you in that system. Like, for instance, a credit bureau, like that's a real thing. And, you know, like you could ignore it, but like that's a thing if you want to um, go to a financial institution or you're going to a car dealership and you want a car. Like those are things that um, to navigate that world. Um, that being said, so yeah, if someone were to receive a lump sum of money, there's a lot of different questions we would also ask just to see what, you know, help them reach their goals. But there's probably, you know, the people who typically um, facilitate financial um, literacy workshops and come from a financial institution, they're going to be talking about RSPs and tax-free savings and savings and savings and investing. When we had already talked about the reciprocity piece or the generosity piece of like, I'm wealthy and I feel my most wealthiest when I'm giving back or when, and so maybe that's by everyone presence. And we would say, well, that's not financially responsible. Um, so who are we to like put that judgment on them? But if we, you get to sit down and um, again, there's like acknowledgements, like if, if they have, if there's that reciprocity piece that they've helped everyone and they know that it's coming back, you're not helping someone because you're expecting something back in return, but you know that you've taken care of this family and that if you ever needed help um, that they would take care of you and there's that's something that I'm really proud that Vincent is actually kind of acknowledging that a sometimes um, people who are living on reserve aren't able to build the same amount of wealth um, in terms of like um, assets um, cash having equity in homes that's something I'm working on right now with different um, like on reserve mortgages and lending and stuff um, but they just didn't have that opportunity and you know, sort of seeing that there's other other valuable assets, for lack of a better word, in having community connections, in having um, that sort of thing, right? Um, so I actually, I did a financial literacy workshop with Stella Community Futures and Van City at Trelothal uh, a couple times. And I actually, um, there's kind of two different arms that we do. One is just your basic financial literacy, um, you know, trying to demystify or make like banking not so scary or intimidating um and things that often people are like i never learned that in school i wish we learned that in school instead of xyz like why didn't we learn about how to i mean maybe this is a little old school but like write a check or use online banking or the difference between a checking and a savings plan or a credit bureau and credit cards and what does that actually mean um you know, often I see people after the aftermath of like, I racked up all my credit cards yeah. and what well, this isn't free money. And, you know, it just, um, you know, having that piece. But what I was in Chihuahua for was um, actually what they call each one grow one. And that was more of um, financial literacy for small businesses and entrepreneurs. Yeah. And uh, which is kind of more of my, I started, I preferred kind of going down that route because um, it was just because you work with passionate people who are, who they have an idea or they have a passion and then you help them um, kind of, they can still do the passion piece, but like, let me help you do cash flow projection because that's what you're gonna need if you need financing kind of thing, right? Um, and just help them navigate that to help them reach their goals. Not everyone's gonna have the same goals and you can't assume that everyone does. Yeah. Um, but I think the main takeaway is just empowering people 
And that's like, that's the part of the education where it's not just even teaching them. It's more just letting them like, here's the information in an easy digestible way. And then they can use it either to feel more confident to step in the bank and ask for what they need um, and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, because <laughs> I, th I think that it's important that individuals are just at least given the information so they can get started because mm -hmm. I think that that's so lacking, especially mm -hmm. with our education system, is that I don't think we're given these basic tools mm -hmm. that just allow us to consider all of our options. And I mm -hmm. think that that is something I, I think a lot about because there are arguments in support of keeping the reserve system mm -hmm. and there are arguments in contrast and I think one of the detriments is that they don't have the same level of regular access to financial institutions to just mm -hmm. being in the community where things are yeah. taking place where you can hear from a lawyer or hear from mm -hmm. an accountant or run into your bank teller at the store and ask a quick question and yeah. that disconnect always concerns me because I think that it puts my community on a worse footing and mm -hmm. it doesn't give us the same opportunities because that's why I wanted to have Tim McAlpine on is because he's this great voice for entrepreneurship. And those are the voices that I don't think reach community regularly mm -hmm. enough where it's just in your mind. And I think I just imagine this hypothetical indigenous person living on reserve and having this brilliant idea and telling mm -hmm. everyone about it and then being like, oh, sure, Ronnie's got another brilliant idea and like mm -hmm. he's going to go become a millionaire. And like that teasing when other people don't understand what your vision is mm -hmm. just kind of comes when you're like when I was starting the podcast, I was so nervous to tell anyone because I'm just imagining what other people are thinking in their head mm -hmm. of what I'm doing and the worst possible analysis. And so it's mm -hmm. hard to voice what you're doing when you're starting something like that out. Mm -hmm. And I think think that's a good point about reciprocity is that that is part of indigenous communities but I think one other way that they could look at it is if you're able to build up these assets they give returns so you can be generous for a longer span of time exactly yeah yeah or generations right yeah. like um a lot of like wealth planning investing even like life insurance stuff is you know that succession planning or leaving a legacy right like leaving something for your family as well so no exactly and i think that just you have to build that trust with whoever you're talking about indigenous or not like across from you if you're if you're um, facilitating financial literacy workshops um not assume that everyone has the same goals but um no it is important and i think that's the perfect way to put it is yeah. that if that's your goal well we can even do that like you don't have to just immediately do it now we can build a plan and then help you execute that and i know there's like I think it's amazing that you're going to law school like I feel like the more indigenous people that can be in those kind of positions I mean I like to think there's that inherent trust in general of like oh or hope that okay maybe this person will kind of get where I'm coming from more than maybe a non-indigenous lawyer and I know um we often are looking for like um accountants who understand different tax implications and um even within Vancity um with trying to help um, create mortgage programs, there had been barriers of finding appraisers and lawyers that helped, that didn't just devalue the land right off the bat because they didn't understand um, the value or how to do it. Um, so yeah, it's finding those, like a team of people that are gonna help you who understand what your goals are. 
let's talk a little bit about what Van City is to you because、mm-hmm. it is unique from a bank like TDE,、yeah. CIBC, and、yeah. then let's move into a little bit of the mortgages because I think that that is a really、sure. relevant point that again differentiates Indigenous communities from non-Indigenous communities in the,、mm-hmm. how the land is dealt with. So, can you、yeah. tell us a little bit about Van City and how it might be unique from other financial institutions? Right. So, I mean, Van City is one of, is BC's, I believe, still、um, the largest credit union in BC.、Um, credit unions are different than than banks in that they're membership owned and driven. So, they're a financial cooperative,、um, meaning you buy shares and you become a member. You're not a, a customer,、um, which might seem somewhat insignificant, but basically, it's about following the money. Where does the money go? So.、Um, If you were a client at、uh, TD, for instance,、um, and you, or if you go into Van City, probably looks the same. You walk in, there's the tellers, some offices. It's going to look the same. The transactions probably very much the same. It's more about what they do with their profits. So、um, their profits go. You can buy TD shares, right? So on the stock market、um, or in mutual funds, and so it's publicly traded.、Um, so their profits go back to their shareholders, basically. Um, and same thing with financial cooperatives, except that the shareholders are typically、uh, the members, so the people who are、um, utilizing the services as well. And it stays in our community that way. So, not saying one's better than the other, but that's just that's the difference, right?、Um, and Vancity is only located in, in British Columbia because they really just focus, like, and that's how credit unions typically operate. They're usually very like geographically.、Um, Connected, I guess. I think we can say that credit unions are likely better because they're more <laughs> likely to act in the best interest of the the individual in their business than a bigger business that's more focused on shareholders, right? Ah,、uh, potentially, yeah. I mean, I, again, like the the end service, like depending on what you want, like if, if you're just depositing money or you know, it's hard to say.、Yeah. But I've only had really growing up,、uh, my first bank account was at Envision, which is a credit union as well. So、um, yeah, I'm definitely team credit unions for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then yeah, so that's basically the difference, or what the. What and what、Vancity、have your、is. roles been like within Van City? What has that been like for you to start as a、mm-hmm. bank teller? What is that experience kind of like? And then moving up in your role, what, what sure. Like? So being、um, a bank teller was just like a lot of customer service, right? You're seeing a lot of people, and you're having those quick, short conversations. But you typically see the same people, so you build that relationship,、um, and you you get to. Um, you know, it can be like the house, the weather kind of thing. But often, you you're seeing these people, and you end up seeing them grow. There's you see their kids grow, and、um, you kind of have this intimate、um, knowledge or relationship with them in a way because you're seeing them、um, deposit money, and it's you see people、um, like deposit money from like a job. So you kind of know like their job history, their education history, maybe some of their struggles,、um, and then. To I mean, to a degree, you people come in.、Um, maybe they're working through an estate, so someone's passed away, or they're getting married. So you kind of you go to a, a credit union or financial. I say bank, but financial institution、um, at kind of different,、um, really pivotal moments of your life, hypothetically. So you kind of end up getting to know people on that level, and then becoming an account manager. Um, it slowed things down a little bit. I wasn't seeing as many people in a day, but I was having longer conversations with those people. So then again, you're getting going down another level, and people are coming in 
um, looking for advice and um, whereas like the be on the front line as a teller more transactional right they're telling you just put this this check in and, and then I mean you still want to give them some advice hey do you have plans for this do you want to maybe talk to a, a financial advisor or talk to an account manager about this so it's a team effort really to help uh, help people navigate um, those times of their lives um, so then as account manager um, you kind of know a lot about or a little about a lot. <laughs> I'm not licensed, so I can't. Really, I wouldn't really discuss mutual funds. I could talk that they exist, and that maybe that's something that you'd want to talk to a specialist about. Um, but I was doing loans, lines of credits, um, mortgages, and like so. That's the lending piece, and then the basic RSP tax-free savings and term deposits, and just helping educate people on the differences. Um, I really ended up liking. I mean, we'd have to do like potentially consolidation loans. I, I kind of like doing them because it was a great opportunity to educate people and help like put them on their path, like kind of redirect their path and um, again, make more um, kind of an efficient plan for them to reach their goals moving forward by like reducing their debt ultimately or reducing their, their debt load and um, helping their cash flow and stuff like that. So can you tell us a little bit more about debt consolidation? Because yeah. I think that we have a lot of young listeners who may be working themselves towards a place where they need to consider consolidating their mm -hmm. debt, but haven't even considered it as like, what does that even mean? Yeah, for sure. So um, I think it's just, yeah, being aware of what kind of tools you're using. So like credit card, Credit cards aren't bad, it's how you use them. Uh, I like to get the points, I like to use the, the ease of using a credit card, and then I just have one bill to pay at the end of the month. Um, I highly recommend paying your credit card off in full each month, it's usually not a very good interest rate. Uh, I mean, that's all relative, but uh, credit cards are usually 19%. Um, so you don't, you, I mean, if you can avoid paying interest, that would be great, and just finding someone that you trust, that you can ask questions and like, for me, my space is like, there's no dumb questions, ask me anything. It's better to know than to, yeah, that shame of like, oh, I'm embarrassed, I don't know. Um, I had someone whose husband got a truck loan and thought he got a really good deal and it was like almost 20%. Like he almost bought a new truck on like, cause he didn't have good credit and so, or didn't have good credit. And so that they justified then increasing his interest rate. And that's true. So it's like, why, why does my credit matter? Well, if you want lending, like that's a potential reason you might be deemed as riskier um, because they don't know you. So like they are kind of, I mean, I don't want to say they're judging, but they use the credit bureau as a tool to navigate what kind of products they can offer you and at what interest rate. Um, whether that's fair or not, that's, that's that's how it happens. And so I just want people to have that knowledge so that they can navigate and plan for the best. I would say, yeah, to establish a relationship with someone at your financial institution. Um, it's free. You sit down and you can have someone's like an hour of their undivided attention and get help navigating your finances so you're doing things smarter. Um, I had someone who, so yeah, you owe, you're carrying a little bit of a balance on your credit card and... Um, you see on your bill, minimum payment, $50. Okay, well, that's not too bad. Um, sometimes it's even lower. It's like $20. And I had someone who, it, maybe it's like this perfectionism where they're just like, they're like, oh, well, I didn't want to just pay $20, but I knew in like next month I'd be able to pay like 100 So I they just skipped paying the 20 now. And they're like, oh, I'll pay 100 next month. And it was like, no, that's not how credit cards work. You like, that's your minimum payment. Like you have to make that payment or else you skipped a payment basically. And 
like, you know, in their head, well, I'm going to pay them 100 next month. That's better than paying them 20 bucks now or and 20 bucks next month, right? Like that's only $40, Nina, do the math. And it's like, okay, I get in theory what you're saying, but that's not how it works. And now you're you're actually cre- like, like wrecking your credit bureau because it's showing as a late payment. Um, and so that's just, again, no judgment, kind of we can joke about it. Um, but moving forward, like now you know, and you're going to pay the $20 on time because you want to preserve your, cre- your credit bureau. Um, and then it's like, when you're buying stuff and you don't have the money to pay it off, for instance, um, what's the best route to go? Like maybe you have um, your car breaks down and you have your you need the car to get to work. So you're hit with a large bill. Uh, you put it on your credit card, but should it stay there? Does that make the most sense? Or maybe you should get a loan. What's the difference? And why would I get one product over the other? Right. Um, so come in, talk, find out if you don't know those answers. Um, or what like a line of credit is and that sort of thing. So consolidation loans, why I liked it was say, you're just, you're out living life. You got a couple of credit cards, cause especially when you turn 19, all of a sudden it seems like they, they know and they're coming in the wood, woodwork and they're offering you all these great 0% like for, oh, read the fine print, right? Um, so maybe you have a couple of credit cards and now you're, you're learning that you're paying the minimum payment, but you're not getting ahead with the minimum payment. You're not paying it down kind of the never never plan maybe you have a car loan too or another thing that attracts people are those furniture loans like yeah easy home exactly yeah and yeah no payments until and then all of a sudden you're hit with this payment and anyway so then you're just feeling like that's cash flow is when all of your your paycheck comes in and then oh the credit card's taking this and that loan's taking that and it's just like what do i have left and i'm also supposed to save how does this work right and you're not getting ahead and it just it feels like this weight on you and so for people who get to that point where they're like like help like i don't know where my money is going or i don't have enough to to feel like i'm living comfortably or i don't have enough to for my goals of going to school or for my goals to purchase a new car um come in figure it out so what a consolidation loan technically does would be paying out your debts um, and consolidating it to one payment because it's like death by a thousand cuts sometimes where you have pay like, and if they're different interest rates right so if you can pay off debt that has 19 percent with a loan that's only seven percent financially that makes sense right that's that's basic math it doesn't matter i failed calculus i know that that math works um and so the idea is kind of twofold you're paying down potentially higher interest rate debt at a lower interest rate and you're also typically freeing up a little bit of cash flow so that they can have some breathing room, or maybe we're using a little bit of that freed capital or um, cash to pay down the loan faster. So again, a credit card is revolving, and that's why we call it like the never never plan. If you just keep on putting money towards, you don't have that end in sight. And sometimes it even says, legally they actually had to um, add this to the statement, where it will tell you if you pay the minimum payment, you will pay this down in 21 years kind of thing, right? So yeah, look at that if you want to be depressed. <laughs> um, so with a loan, it's a X amount, like this is the interest rate and it's going to be paid off. If you keep on making this X amount of payments, it'll be paid off in three years or it'll be paid off in four years. So there's that light at the end of the tunnel. This is a plan. So long as you, you know, don't kind of fall back into potentially some of those pitfalls, like this is your plan and this is like how you're going to get out of it kind of thing, right? So this is a really important question I want to ask because I know that for a certain subsection of the population, we treat people as if, and maybe there's a better way to phrase this. Who are some of the people who need these consolidation 
loans because I think we have a bad habit of thinking one subsection of the population are the ones with all the money problems,、mm. and the people on Promontory or the people in, on Chilliwack Mountain don't have those problems because、yeah. they're financial experts because they've got this big beautiful car.、Yeah. And I think that that's an error we often make is that we treat the person with the crazy Jaguar as、yeah. if they've got all of their finances figured out, and the person driving the Old Nissan Altima 2002、yeah. is the crazy person who's got all the problems. So, can you tell us just broadly? It's you... just that it's broad. Like there, I mean, I've been out of out of the game for a few years, right? So, but、uh, you're you're totally right. There, it's it's all ages. It's it really does cross a lot of different demographics.、Um, yeah, having a fancy car or boat. I mean, from a, from my standpoint, because of the job that I've had,、um, it's funny because yeah, you're right. Most people would be like, "Oh, they've got it all figured out. They must be very wealthy." And from my point of view, I'm always like, "Oof! I wonder, like, are those paid off? Or are they paying loans?" And like, I've seen where you know maybe it's an illness, or you just lose a job, and all of a sudden that life is like you can't afford it anymore.、Um, so yeah, whereas the person like I. Drive a 2008 Mazda that is like pretty rickety right now.、Um, so, not saying that my life was great and I'm super wealthy because I drive a crappy car. That's not necessarily the case either. But definitely, there are people who live more,、um, I guess, like moderately or like frugally. Frugally and financially, like yeah, you might think, oh, they they don't know about finance. It's like, oh, they do, and like they, you know, like their lifestyle is different, right?、Um, so no, you can't judge a book by its cover. Um, by any means, and but I do think that unfortunately, people who、um, there's like this cycle of poverty as well, where maybe they had less means to educate themselves about finance.、Um, I also, it's like that kind of like if you have enough, there's、um, what chargeback fees at banks, so you didn't have enough money. Um, and something bounced, and then the bank charges you a fee, and it just feels like adding insult to injury. Like I didn't have money. And now you're charging me more money because I didn't have money. Like it's, it's yeah. And I get it, and I understand why they do it to a degree. But often,、um, like it's not funny. Like the, the, often there's those kinds of things where, yeah, the, the people who need it need help the most are actually getting penalized. Can、more. we talk about a little bit about Money Mart and those types of businesses because <sighs>、yeah. those are heartbreaking. I think that they shouldn't even exist. I think that they are. Purely predatory, and I think something so vulturous should、mm-hmm. not exist in our communities because they do go after the most vulnerable. They're not going after the people on Promontory or the people、yeah. on in Chilliwack Mountain. They're looking for the people who are already trying to survive with small amounts of money each month. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think Ben's Day still does it, but they actually、um, created a product that was to try to help. I mean, I guess one way to say is steal business from them, but to basically offer an alternative to people who are going to money marts and stuff like that.、Um, it was called a fair and fast loan because that those were kind of the barriers that people,、um, when you go to get a, a official loan, yeah, we're going to pull your credit. It's going to take time. You need income verification, and they're like, yeah, no, I need this money now because I have to pay rent or I have to buy groceries, and、um, you know, those were limitations that were on us. So I just love, yeah, being part of an organization that listens and looks and is like, okay, well, this is how we can fill the need. Are the interest rates higher than a regular loan? Yep, it is, but it's not the predatory rates that, like you're saying, because they can be like two hundred, three hundred, four hundred percent, right? Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. For、and、like a few weeks. Yeah. Exactly.、Um, yeah, and then you're not getting ahead; you're getting behind. And 
And again, it's it's quick and easy. So if you're already feeling maybe embarrassed, it's like, okay, well, at least I just go in and out and like, I don't have to, you know, do anything. Whereas, oh, if I don't want to see Nina and I have to sit down and talk to her and, and admit I'm, all and, of yeah, these things. and show them all these things. But often push comes to shove at the very end and they're like, they're, they can't get ahead. And then they do come, they finally do have to come. And it's like, oh, I wish you came to me from the beginning because it would have been easier, but but that's fine. And, and um, you know, come at least at some point right um but yeah exactly like there's there's so many different things that lead up to what can put someone in that position right and i can go back to their their families um access to wealth um you know keep family helping them um bailing them out kind of thing um access to again that's kind of we can segue into the mortgage thing is because that's a lot of people are able to access equity from from their home um, to help. That's an easy consolidation loan if you can use a huge asset to to offset it. Before we get there, I want to no ask worries. about um, small like car purchases or car mm -hmm. leases yeah. and what your thoughts are on those because I think I've taken a little bit of flack for saying I don't support them almost ever because mm -hmm. I think that they put um, people who might have a $20 an hour job mm -hmm. and then they're like, oh, like I can get this car for $300 a month or yeah. $250 a month. But now you have this contract with this mm -hmm. institution and now you have this long-term commitment. So yeah. it makes it more difficult if you want to switch jobs, if you want to focus more on university, yeah. if you want to start your new, you're an entrepreneur and you want to start a new thing. Like I can just see so many potential negatives down almost any path that you want to go down yeah. with a big car loan that to me I can almost never see unless you have a big stockpile of cash and you could pay it out at any time and you're just choosing not to and it's a low interest rate yeah. that's like the only time I can see it but yeah. I see almost all of my friends with cars that have loans on them and jobs that really don't support that type of financial decision yeah. yet their parents support them they sign the contract with them and it just feels like there's multiple generations that don't understand mm -hmm. the long-term risks because the argument that I've heard against me is, what's well, a safe vehicle? I don't have to stress about getting stuck on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And all I think is, well, how much is BCAA a year? It's like, what, a hundred bucks yeah. to guarantee that somebody's going to be there on the side of the road with you to help you out? Exactly. Um, and I mean, in my role at the financial institution, I like, you can't impose your beliefs on on someone but there are definitely people who i would like have considered consider friends of where i'm having a pretty real candid conversation where i'm like why like what are you and it's like this en entitlement potentially or um i need this reward i deserve this that kind of thing um but it's also yeah about seeing like the long term so there's definitely times where people well i was just like why is that your goal? And it, it might be an ego thing. It might be a lifestyle thing. And again, you're trying not to impose any judgment on that. But from a financial standpoint, it's like, does that actually make sense? Um, and I think a good example would be, I would see a lot of young, typically guys um, who would, were going to Alberta working on the oil rigs. And as soon as they came back, it was like, okay, like you could just almost have like the checklist, right? Like they got the big truck and all their toys and, and then, yeah, oh no, you're like you, something's changed in your life. And now all of a sudden, you know, it, this is not as, as comfortable making those payments and stuff like that. And you have to reevaluate, right? So sometimes you can, you can give people your advice and um, show them like that alternative way of thinking of things, but sometimes they're not gonna. It's not gonna really sink in until 
they have to experience yeah. like making a choice right of oh i can't afford this anymore you know and that's a, that's a touchy subject telling someone like what to do with their money or maybe not their money but i mean they're not spending their money on buying the vehicle because they're getting a loan but they're yeah. using their money to pay the loan down right yeah. um there's also the whole asset thing of like when you buy a brand new vehicle like as soon as it leaves the lot it like the value of it it goes down or it go it decreases typically right yeah. Um, so again, it's about education. So I definitely would have those conversations with people in a non-judgmental way of just being like, this is like, these are some of the things. And cause there are pros and cons to leasing as well. Like, especially if you're an entrepreneur, people lease vehicles, write offs, that sort of thing, or if you're using it for marketing. And again, I don't, uh, pretend to be an expert in all those things, but, um, yeah, there's, it's, I think you use the word like kind of being in control of your, your finances and yeah. And being, you'll be more, I guess, able to adapt or be agile in a world that is ever changing. So like, yeah, like you're, you might have that job now, but you might not have it down the road or something might change or you have a baby. Like there's, there's different pri priorities change. Um, but yeah, or if you lose your job, now that vehicles become more of a burden or that payment has become more of a burden right especially if there's like a, a financial crash or something like that yeah. so can you quickly just describe how an individual might experience that because i think the big pitfall for a lot of people is they treat the 2008 crash or recessions in general as if that doesn't apply to them mm -hmm. because they have a normal job they're not a part of the stock market they're not a part of these big investment organizations yeah. so how does that impact me the regular everyday individual and i think that we do a terrible job of educating people on what a recession looks like mm -hmm. what did the 2008 recession mean um who was responsible for that like i feel like we mm -hmm. don't do a great job of delivering that information to the common yeah. individual who's just going about their day i always think that the best way to educate is through stories right and uh, luckily, like I feel like I'm old enough now that I actually have stories of my own that are cautionary tales, as I like to call them. Um, or if you don't, like use someone else's as well, like, with permission, or you know, don't use their name, kind of thing. But so I actually bought an apartment. I was still living at home with my parents, and I bought an apartment. I think I was 22. I had just started working at Ben City, and had some money saved up, and. I wanted to be a landlord. I thought that would be a good idea. And I bought in 2006, end of 2007 maybe. And um, interest rates were like almost 6%. And so that was, again, I didn't know, like, I didn't know what was good or bad. Um, my parents back in the day like had double digit mortgage rates before, right? So I'm like, this is great, no. Um, and so yeah the market basically crashed in 2008 and i was like what i thought like i oh, thought real estate you can't lose it always just goes up right like very naive um i ended up holding on to that like investment it was more of a lesson than an investment um it was yeah learning kind of like while i was going to school i was learning that piece but in real life i was learning lots of things through being a landlord um and real estate owner i guess um and you know different like words of wisdom like you only lose like when you sell like in mutual funds even or your stocks like when, when it's down you're like oh i want to sell like i've stopped this like ride i want off but if you sell like that's when, when you're actually realizing the loss right so if you can hold on to it and ride the proverbial waves um over time and again there's different reasons why people invest 
But uh, so I tell people that like, no, interest rates change. And like, just because like what you know to be true, especially if you're younger, that's like no hit on younger people. It's just like you've had less experience, hypothetically, of of time to experience those like different interest rates. Um, you've only if you're only looking at the short snippet of time of like what the stock market was doing. Um, yeah. So just knowing that it has impacted people and it has, maybe doesn't impact people all the same way, though, either. Right. So I'd use that as a cautionary tale that, you know, some people buy and then all of a sudden, like, yeah, the market jumps up and they have all this equity and they think they're the smartest person in the world because they did this. And it's like, OK, but it's not always like that. Like it. And I think um, it's interesting because my parents are kind of different. My dad was very like planning for the future and being like being somewhat frugal um not doom and gloom but just kind of like you know level-headed i guess whereas my mom's very generous and maybe kind of a little bit like if um, it wasn't for him maybe it would be a little bit less as planned um and like you know more just like if you got money you like spend it and like share it with your friends and just you know keep on living but like whereas my dad's like plan for a rainy day and you know that sort of thing and so i try to take both of those things because you can't just like there's no point of just being so frugal that you're not experiencing any joy um, in life. But it's I think it's a balance. It's finding the balance that works for you um, and listening to people of different ages, of different backgrounds, because they're all going to have different um, experiences and their perceptions might be different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I'm really worried about right now is hyperinflation, because we're getting a lot of hints that that's either coming or that we're, we're we might be a little bit more exposed than other countries. Mm -hmm. And my concern is that we're talking about it, perhaps in ivory towers in financial institutions, mm -hmm. but the people that this really impacts is First Nations communities, people already in poverty who are already mm -hmm. on a fixed income. Those are the people who impact if hyperinflation occurs. Those are the people who are going to be impacted the worst. And I don't know if you've heard, but I always hear stories of the average Canadian is like, they couldn't get together $200 in like two weeks mm -hmm. if they needed to pay off an extra bill or something like that. Yeah. And so to me, we're getting a lot of indications that we might have over the next 10 years, some mm -hmm. real financial hardships. And yeah. I don't think that that's A, being talked about enough, but B, being shared with the people who need to be preparing the most for something like that to occur. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, that's very real. Yeah, to, to assume that everyone experiences the same is yeah. definitely not, not true at all. Mm -hmm.